We're going to turn this morning to uh, a passage of Scripture probably being read in a lot of churches this morning, but it's what I felt for today, and so we're going to go to the book of Proverbs today, and Proverbs chapter 31, it is a bit of a lengthy reading. I don't normally read uh, such lengthy passages by way of a text, but um, there's just no way to, uh, to abbreviate what is said in this particular passage. The only thing you can do is just read it in its entirety to really get the message of what the wise man said. Proverbs chapter 31, beginning with, with verse number 10. The Bible says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the mer merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. Amen. A virtuous woman, Solomon is describing for us here. And obviously, when it talks about her children and her household, he is describing a woman who is indeed a mother. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning. It is Bible study time. And so we're going to do some study here. Um, hopefully, the Lord's going to step in before we're finished. And uh, my teaching may turn to preaching a little bit if the Lord will help us. But, but we're going to try to teach this morning from this subject, the greatest mother ever known. The greatest mother ever known. Let's, um, let's put our Bibles down and lift our hands and lift our voices and let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. Could we do that? I, I especially want you, church, to pray that God will speak to those that need him today, amen, and touch their hearts especially. Let's talk to the Lord right now. In Jesus' name, can we just worship him for a moment before we're seated today? Everybody, let's worship the Lord together. Let's give him some praise right now. We love you, Jesus. 
God, we worship your name. We magnify you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You're so good, God. I thank you. I thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Amen. I, um, I grow frustrated in this day in which we live uh, when there is such an attack on Christianity and all things godly. And there really is an attack. I was sharing with my wife just a few days ago. Uh, there's been a bill that uh, uh, has passed a committee in Congress that will elevate um, the rights of, uh, of people whose lives are messed up above even religious freedom. And uh, churches and Christians uh, can be punished. It, it, it's hard to believe this is happening in America, but, but uh, if you don't recognize the rights of transgenders and, uh, and, and homosexuals above what you believe the Scripture teaches, then there are fines and penalties that can come your way. Whether or not this passes, I don't know. But I'm just going to tell you, it is just another in a long line of attacks that we're facing in America today. Amen. Can you say amen? Praise God. I'm going to tell you, one of the things that I have to hear all the time is people attacking the Bible. They claim that the Bible is filled with sexist language, that it presents a picture of women who are, who are oppressed, who are ignored, who are disrespected. People say that the Bible makes women less than human being. I'm going to tell you, those who make such claims really don't have any knowledge of what the Bible has to say. Amen. That may be what they want to present to us uh, to try to get us to believe the Bible paints a picture of women in that light, but that is far Far from the case. If you paid any attention to the passage that I read as my text today, there are so many positive things that are said about a woman in this passage of Scripture. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So many positive things that are said about women in this passage of Scripture. If you look down through that passage, if your Bible is still open this morning, you'll see uh, she is more valuable than precious stones. Her husband takes comfort in her ability to take care of things. She's recognized as a positive asset to the home. She is a hard worker. She puts others first. She speaks words of wisdom. She successfully oversees the affairs of her home. She brings her husband to a place of honor. Her family appreciates her. Her family openly praises her even the community recognizes her significance friend this is not sexist language this is not belittling women it's putting women in a place of honor where they belong that's the bible that i know amen that's the bible that i know Praise God. It is. It speaks many, many times. In fact, the scriptures are replete with examples of great women, specifically great mothers, who, who exemplify some characteristic that should be emulated by women today. Amen. I'm telling you, the scripture does not put women down. The scripture elevates women to a place of honor. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to go through some examples here this morning as time will permit. I've got a long list and, and I don't want to belabor the point, but, but there are many, many mothers in the scripture that are honored and are recognized as being great women. Amen. And great individuals. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11. Let's start there this morning. Hebrews 11, 11. The first woman we're going to talk about. And I'm going to just try to go through these briefly, not spend a lot of time on them. But the first one we're going to talk about is Sarah. Hebrews 11 and verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she, because judged, she judged, judged faithful God faithful who had, who had 
promised. Amen. Sarah was a great woman of trust. At the age of 80, she received a promise from God. At the age of 90, she received the fulfillment of that promise. And the writer of Hebrews tells us it's all because of one thing. At some point in her life, she came to a decision, I'm going to trust what God has to say. Amen. Amen. I'm going to believe the word of God no matter what it looks like, no matter what my body's telling me, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to put my trust in God. Amen. Amen. The second woman is a woman by the name of Deborah. Judges chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now, now, first of all, I think many of us, if you've been raised in church, uh, you've heard teaching and preaching about this woman, Deborah. Many of you may have just realized in the reading of this verse that she even had a husband. The Bible doesn't say much about her husband and who he was and what he did. But it has a lot to say about this woman, uh, Deborah. The Bible says the children of Israel came to her for judgment. They were coming to her because she was a great woman of discernment. She knew what God wanted. She knew what was the right way to go. She was a woman that was able to give advice that was pleasing to the heart of God. Amen. She instructed uh, uh, Barak to pursue Sisera the Canaanite, foretold the fact that Sisera would die at the hands of a woman. Here was a great woman of discernment. Amen. The third is Ruth in Ruth chapter 1 verses 14 through 17. And they lifted up their voice and wept again and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and to her gods. Return after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also. If aught but death part thee and me. And here was a great woman of loyalty. She had no real connections nor obligations to her mother-in-law. Her husband had died. She, she didn't have to follow Naomi. She, she had no responsibility to her. But Ruth said, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm telling you, here is a woman who is an example to us of loyalty. Amen. She obeyed Naomi's instruction and was loyal to her unto the very end. The fourth is a woman named Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she must she had been drunken and Eli said unto her how long wilt thou be drunken put away thy wine from thee and Hannah answered and said no my lord I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have poured out my soul before the Lord I, I before I discuss Hannah let me just tell you again those who claim the Bible is sexist and that the Bible uh, speaks of being oppressive to women We see here a very clear example where the man was in the wrong and the woman was right because of uh, the, the attitude that she had. She was a great woman of prayer. She had no children, so she took it to God. She sought the Lord and she prayed so earnestly that the priest accused her of drunkenness and marked her mouth. Many commentators say that that means he literally slapped her face. Amen. He was so angry that she would come into the house of God drunken. But this man totally misread who she was and what she was. This was a great woman of 
prayer. And I'm here to tell you, God answered her cry, amen, and gave her the son for which she prayed, and he became one of the greatest prophets that Israel ever knew. Amen. Amen. Number five is Abigail. 1 Samuel 25 and verse 3. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was surelish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. Now this story to those who know it, uh, David and his men were watching uh, in the fields. They were running from King Saul who wanted to destroy David. And David and his men were, were, were out in the fields and the caves and hiding. Uh, but they saw a group uh, or, a, or a flock of sheep there. And, and David and his warriors protected those flocks and protected the shepherds that kept them. And, and then when it came time for them to be rewarded for their faithfulness, Nabal uh, cursed them and refused to do any good for them. And David was ready to kill Nabal because of the way he had abused them. But that's where Abigail comes on the scene. And here was a great woman of understanding. Amen. She appealed to David. She said, David, God's got his hand on you. Don't mess things up by bringing death upon another man. Why don't you just wait and let God deal with this? Amen. I'm going to tell you, this was a woman that lived in difficult circumstances. The Bible calls her husband churlish. He was rude. He was... He was thoughtless. Amen. He was hateful. But this woman maintained her integrity before God even in the worst of circumstances. Amen. And God came to her rescue. Praise God. God fought her battle. In fact, after she spoke up and offered her words of wisdom and understanding, amen, the Bible says that Nabal's heart died within him, amen, and this man passed away, and David came and took her as her, uh, as his wife, and she became the wife of the king of Israel, amen. Number six is a woman by the name of Rizpah, 2 Samuel 21, verses 8 through 10. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bare unto Saul, Arma, uh, Saul, Armani, and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, and Meholoth, uh, the Meholothite. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together, and were put to death in the days of the harvest, in the first days in the beginning of barley harvest. And Rizpah, the, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of the harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night. Here was a great woman of devotion. Her sons had been put to death. Amen. They uh, were, their bodies were hung for everyone to see. But this woman with the heart of a mother said, I'm not going to let these bodies be defiled by the beasts or the fowls or anything else. Her sons are dead, but she's going to stand right there and defend those bodies as long as she can. I'm going to tell you, and I'm throwing this in free of charge. I don't understand the mindset today where women can just kill their unborn babies and have no regret for it. Here was a woman that her sons were dead and she still wouldn't abandon them. That, my friend, is the real heart of a mother. That's the real heart of a mother. And that's the way Rizpah was, a great woman of devotion. She realized some causes are greater than life. Some things are more important than breath. There are some things that mean a lot, and family is one of them. Amen. Number seven is the widow of Zarephath. 1 Kings 17 Verses 18, I'm sorry, verses 8 through 16. 
1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he had come to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, and I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Read on, verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto Elijah. Now, this was a great woman of sacrifice. The story is that she was living during a time of extreme famine, and she had exhausted every resource that she had. She was out of food, except for a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. And they were going just to gather a few sticks to build a small fire so that she could fix that last bit of meal and oil into a small cake for her and her son. While she's out there, she encounters the man of God. And he says to her, fix me something to eat. She said, sir, all I've got's enough for one final meal for my boy and me. And he said, if you fix for me first God is going to take care of you here is a great woman of sacrifice amen I mentioned uh, that Rizpah had a sense of family and that's great amen but here is a woman who's got a sense of sacrifice and she understands that even above family there is a God amen and I want to do what I can do amen to help God and to work for God's kingdom because if I will take care of God's kingdom God will take care of me and my family hallelujah and so she took the last little bit that she had and she prepared it for the man of God and many of you know the rest of the story the Bible says that throughout the remainder of that famine while others were starving to death this little widow woman was always able to go back to the barrel and find some more meal she was able to go back to that cruise and find some more oil God provided for her day by day because she had an attitude of sacrifice amen amen number eight number eight is the Shunammite second Kings chapter four verses eight through ten and it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunam where was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. Now here is a great woman of hospitality. Amen. This woman talked to her husband and said, you know what we need to do? We need to build a guest chamber on our house. We see this man coming by frequently and we ought to do something about it. I don't want him just passing by and wondering where he's going to spend the night, but I want us to be hospitable and to help this man. She fed and sheltered Elisha. And I'm going to tell you, in return, God reached down and raised her son back to life. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God will always honor those who do 
the right thing. Number nine, and I'm trying to hurry through this list because I'm going somewhere this morning with all of this. Number nine is Mary. And we're going to read three passages of Scripture here, all from uh, Luke chapter 1. So let's, let's read beginning in verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. All right, read down to verse uh, 38. And Mary said, Behold, the, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And then chapter 2, verse 19. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So here is a great woman of attentiveness. Mary had an attitude that when God began to speak she is going to pay attention. She's going to listen. She may not understand it all. She may not comprehend it. She may not be able to figure out exactly what God's talking about. But her attitude was this. Be it unto me according to your word. Amen. And then the Bible says that the things that began to transpire, she pondered these things in her heart. Mary was a woman who accepted the word of the Lord and gave attention to it against all odds and against extreme ridicule. Uh, you know, I've pointed out many times we often forget what it cost Mary to be the mother of our Lord. A young girl not married. We know that the angel spoke to her. We know that she was uh, made to be with child by the Spirit of God. But listen to me, her neighbors didn't know that. Her family didn't know that. And you think any of them believed it? Remember, this was at a time when God had not spoken to Israel for 400 years. And now a young virgin comes along and says, yes, I'm pregnant, but it's by the Holy Ghost. Do you think anybody really believed that? Is it any wonder that she fled to Jerusalem? She went to stay with her aunt? I'm going to tell you she was facing extreme ridicule, but it didn't matter to Mary. She said, if this is what God wants out of me, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what it's going to cost me. I want the will of God to be done in my life. Amen. A woman of attentiveness. Next is a woman by the name of Anna. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess of the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was a, of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, came, and she coming in that, and she, and she coming in that instant gave. Thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And so here is a woman, and, and the scripture is, is a little uh, ambiguous as to exactly what is meant here. Different commentators have different ideas. Uh, when it says she was a widow of about four score and four years, there are those who say that was her age. There are others who say that's how long she had been widowed, that she had, uh, she had lived with her husband for seven years, and then for, for 84 years she's been a widow now. Whatever, whatever is meant by all of this uh, really is not important to the point I want to make. But the Bible says that during her entire time of widowhood, she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and with prayers day and night. Amen. She would come in and give thanks to God and worship God in spite of her situation. Here is a great woman of ministry. A woman who did not leave the house of God. Amen. But she served God Faithfully and regularly and consistently, she loved God more than life itself. Number 11. Number 11 is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. 
And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of, of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Out of whom went seven devils, read. And Joanna, the wife of uh, Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Ministered unto him of their substance. Here was a great woman of gratefulness. The Bible says of Mary Magdalene that uh, out of her went seven devils. And yet the Bible also says that she ministered to the Lord of her substance. She was one of the few who stood by him at the cross. Amen. Even when his own disciples walked away. She was one of only two who went back to the tomb to try to take care of the dead body of our Lord. And she was also the first to whom Jesus appeared after his resurrection. I'm going to tell you, the Lord appreciates a thankful heart. He appreciates it when we recognize that all that we have came from him. And all that we are is because of him. And all that we hope to be will be a result of what God blesses us with. Mary Magdalene had a sordid past, but she had a bright future. Because she was a great woman of gratefulness. Amen. Amen. Number 12. I'm getting close to the end of this list here. Bear with me just a few more moments. Amen. Number 12 is Dorcas. Acts chapter 9 verses 36 through 41. Now there was a, at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and all Full of good works, uh-huh. Which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper, upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lida was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come... They brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Now here was a woman. Did, did, you, did you catch the story that when she passed away, the great travail that was going on because of the loss of this woman, a woman who was, the Bible says, full of good works and alms deeds. That word alms deeds means charity work. It means helping the poor. It means doing for those who were in need. This was a great woman of good works. And I'm going to tell you, everybody missed her when she passed away. And nobody wanted to, to accept the fact that she was gone. In fact, somebody got the idea, let's go call the man of God and see if we can't turn this thing around. We need this woman around here. We need her in this place. And Peter went and prayed and God looked down at this great woman of good works and restored her to life. Amen. Number 13 is Priscilla. Priscilla, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Now, this woman, Priscilla, the wife of Aquila, the, the Bible says we read only a couple of verses about her and her husband, but the Bible has a lot to say about Priscilla. This was a great woman of submission. When Paul left their city to sail to Ephesus, she willingly followed her husband. That means walking away from family. That means walking away from friends. That means uh, neglecting what is 
comfortable to her and what is known to her. But she was submitted and helped her husband teach uh, the full truth to a man by the name of Apollos. It's interesting that the Bible does not say that Aquila was the only one that taught Apollos. But obviously Priscilla was involved in that teaching process and she helped to win this man to become a great minister of the gospel. Number 14, our last in this list is the woman by the name of Rahab. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. She perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. Here's the thing about Rahab. Most of us know the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho where the walls came tumbling down. The city of Jericho was completely destroyed, even burnt after the walls came down. But there was one woman and her family that survived. There was one citizen of Jericho that walked out of there with her head held high. Again, a woman with a sordid past. Again, a woman who was not proud of what she used to be but I'm going to tell you there was something that stirred in her heart and it was a faith in the God of Israel and she said I know that God is going to be victorious in this battle and I'm ready to cast my lot with the chosen few I don't want to stay here with Jericho I don't want to perish with those who don't believe but I am going to stand for the people of God and for what is right and because of her faith she perished not she perished not amen praise God amen she stood for God's people against her own and because of her faith she survived the conquest of her city a great woman of faith. Now I've read to you and talked to you here today about many, many uh, uh, women and the great things that they've done. But I would remind you this morning that the title of my message is The Greatest Mother Ever Known. We've talked about some great women, but I'm going to tell you none of them compare to the greatest. Uh, there is one that is greater than all the others. There is one that possesses all of the above attributes uh, and you can find all of them in her list of characteristics. Uh, so I want to spend just the next few moments as I bring this message to a close talking to you about the greatest mother uh, that has ever been known. I want you to consider something with me as as we start talking about who this mother is. Let's go to the book of John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 5. As Jesus is talking to a religious man, here is how the conversation goes. John 3 beginning with verse 3. And Jesus answered and said Jesus to him, answered and said to him Verily verily I truly say unto thee, truly I tell you except a man be born except again. Except a man. Now notice this, except a man be what? Born. Be what? Born, except a man be born again. What? He cannot, see, he the cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's an interesting statement, Jesus. What in the world do you mean by being born again? Nicodemus didn't understand it. He didn't know what Jesus was talking about. So he asked him to explain it in verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born how when he is, is old? How is it possible to be born when a man is already old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Can he womb get back in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus, Jesus answered, answered barely, the question barely. by saying, Truly, truly, I, I tell you, thee, except a man unless be born of water, a man is born of water and of the Spirit, and of the spirit he, cannot he cannot enter into the, kingdom, into the of kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, I find it interesting that Jesus referred to this as a birth. Look, my friends, we understand that whether it's a physical or spiritual birth, every birth requires a mother. It requires a mother. Amen. Nothing's going to be born without 
a mother. And Jesus said the only way we're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, there's got to be a mother involved because there's got to be a birth that takes place. I want to tell you the greatest mother ever known is not a physical mother. It's a spiritual mother. It's not an earthly mother. It's a heavenly mother. Can I preach to you for just a few minutes here this morning about the greatest mother that's ever been known. Amen. She doesn't have a name like Sarah or, 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 or Deborah or Ruth or Hannah. She's got another name and we're about to identify her. Isaiah 66 verse 8 says this. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Uh-huh. Shall the earth shall be made, earth to, bring be made to bring in forth day? in one day? Or shall a nation, shall a be, nation born be born at once? For as soon as, as, soon Zion, as travailed, Zion travailed, she brought forth she her children. Brought for her children. I want to tell you who the greatest mother of, uh, of all time is. Uh, again, it's not uh, one of the women that we talked about. As great as they were, the greatest mother that's ever known uh, is a mother by the name of Zion. She is the church uh, of the living God. That's the greatest mother that's ever been. Amen. I'm telling you, we've got a heavenly father and I'm thankful for our heavenly father, but a birth can't take place uh, unless we've got a mother involved as well and there is a mother upon the face of this earth and her name is the church oh hallelujah 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 amen Galatians 4 and verse 26 says this but Jerusalem, Jerusalem which, is above, which is above is free, is free. Which is and the mother that of is us all. the mother of us all hallelujah listen my mother is not Rome my mother is Jerusalem the heavenly Jerusalem the church of the living God Hallelujah. I'm telling you, in the church, you can find a place of trust. In the church, you can find a place of discernment. In the church, you can find a place of loyalty. In the church, you can find a place of prayer. In the church, you can find a place of understanding. In the church, you can find a place of devotion. Would somebody help me here this morning? In the church, you'll find a place of sacrifice. In the church, you'll find a place of hospitality in the church you'll find a place of attentiveness in the church you'll find a place of ministry in the church you'll find a place of gratefulness in the church you'll find a place of good works amen in the church you'll find a place of submission and in the church you'll find a place of faith that's what my mother is that's who my mother is it's the mother that bore me spiritually I'm thankful today for my earthly mother I'm thankful for what she put in me but I want you to know I am thankful also for my spiritual mother I'm thankful for the church of the living God hallelujah hallelujah and I was a child and I got scrapes and I got wounds I could run to mama. She'd be there. She'd kiss the hurts. Uh, amen. She'd calm my fears. Uh, she was always there to help me. Uh, amen. If I was restless, she knew how to find a place of rest for me uh, and help me to get uh, to sleep. Uh, there was direction in her voice. Uh, there was an example in her lifestyle. And I want to tell you, the same thing is true of the church of the living God. Uh, I can come here when I'm hurting. Uh, I can come here when I'm in need. I can come here when I need direction. I can come here when I need rest. This is what the church does for me. Hallelujah. 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 I'm telling you in this world we live in there are mothers that give birth but their children are unwanted. Their children are abandoned. Their children are aborted. But this mother this mother would never do that to one of her babies. I'm going to tell you, there are no unwanted children in, in the family of God. There are no unwanted children in the family of God. There are no abandoned babies in the family of God. I'm telling you, the church is the greatest mother you could ever hope to encounter. Hallelujah. 
I've heard people issue insults to others. Say, well, he has a face that only a mother could love. And I know that that's intended to be an insult to the bearer of that face. But it's a compliment to mama. Amen. Because mama doesn't care what the baby looks like. Mama doesn't care if the baby may have some deformities. Mama doesn't care if there's some problems with that baby. Mama doesn't care if the baby's healthy or if the baby's sick. That's her baby. And she loves her baby. And I'm telling you the church is the same way. It doesn't matter how you walked in this building today. It doesn't matter what your condition is it doesn't matter what spiritual deformities you may think you've got I'm here to preach to you there is a mother here who loves you just the way you are there's a mother here who's been waiting to wrap her arms around you there's a mother here oh I feel the Holy Ghost there's a mother here that cares about you and welcomes you into the family She takes care of us. She understands us. And I'm telling you, even when her children walk out on her, mama just waits. They're coming back. They're coming back. They're coming back. Hallelujah. Mama is waiting. Mama loves her children. There is no greater mother than the church of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, if the church is not your mother, it can be. There is a way. You see, you see, Jesus said, not that a man must be born into the kingdom of God, but that he must be born again. Hallelujah. See, I'm glad he said it that way. Because you don't have to be born to Christian parents to become a Christian. You don't have to be born to apostolic parents to receive this glorious experience. I'm going to tell you that it's not about your first birth. It doesn't matter the circumstances of your first birth. Jesus said you need a second birth. And the moment you experience that second birth, the church becomes your mama. No matter where you come from, who you are, what you're going through, you become a child of the greatest mother ever known. Amen. How does that happen? Well, Peter gave the answer to that question in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37 is where we'll start. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And when now when they heard this, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Something was stirred in their hearts. And said unto Peter, they said to Peter and, to the, rest the, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, men and brethren what shall we tell do? me how to deal with this. Tell me how to fix this. I'm unhappy with my first birth. I don't like where life has taken me. I don't like where I'm at right now. How do I solve the problem? How do I have this second birth what shall we do then Peter said said unto them repent he didn't say confess he didn't say accept he didn't say believe he said repent he said ask God to forgive you for who you are and what you've done and I'm going to tell you God loves you enough he'll forgive anything there is no sin that's so grave that God won't forgive it you can't commit a sin that'll make God throw you to the side he's interested in you he loves you he cares about you and if you'll just admit God I'm a sinner and I want you to forgive me of my sins if you'll repent he'll forgive you and be baptized he said then you need to be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission here's what he said all of those sins that you've committed if you go down in water and be baptized in the name of Jesus uh, God will take every one of those off of your record I've had people say preacher I wish I could start over. I wish I could just have a clean slate. I'm here to tell you, you can. It's called baptism in Jesus' name. When you come up out of the water, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. All of that's been taken away. It's been washed off your record. And you're starting out like a brand new baby. There is nothing on your record as far as God's concerned. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for 
the remission of sins. And you shall receive, you shall receive the, gift of the, the Holy gift Ghost. of the Holy Ghost. It's not just about dealing with your past, but it's about giving you a power that will take you through the present and carry you through the future. Amen. The repentance, the baptism is dealing with the past, but the Holy Ghost is for today and tomorrow and forever. And I want to tell you, if you say God would never do it for me, you could only say that if you've never read the next verse because here's what Acts 2.39 says. For the promise this promise is what promise? You. The promise that if you'll repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, you can have the Holy Ghost. That promise is to you. And to your children. It's to your children. To all it's to everybody off. that's afar off. Even as Even many as, as, the, many Lord as the Lord our call. God shall call. I want to tell you, you're not here by accident today. You're not here by accident today. You can only come because God drew you. That's what you've been feeling is the drawing power of the Holy Ghost. God has been calling your heart. God has been speaking your name. And if he called you to this place, then this promise is unto you. Let's stand this morning. If you'll repent, you'll be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God will give you the power to change your life. I've had people say, I can't live that way. Well, I want to tell you something that may surprise you today. I can't either. I can't either. But God can. And that's why He gives me His Spirit. Because I just let His Spirit live this life through me. Amen. I'm going to tell you, Proverbs 6 and 20, I close with this today. My son, my son keep the father's, keep your father's commandments. commandments and, and forsake, forsake not, not the law of the thy law mother of thy mother. This is all a part of what the new birth will do for you. All of a sudden, mama, mama, there may be some rules and regulations. There usually is at mama's house. A good mama knows there are some things that will just protect you. There are some things you don't need to do because it will destroy you and hurt you. But don't worry about all that. Mama's going to give you the power and the wisdom and the strength, amen, to keep every law, every rule. She's going to help you make it through. Hallelujah. I want to ask the church to begin to pray right now. As I open these altars, if you're here today under the sound of my voice and you're ready for a brand new life, you're ready for something to happen to you, to change how you live and how you think. You're tired, amen, of being miserable. You're tired of what this world has done. You're looking for something new. I'm going to tell you, Mama is standing here today. Mama's got her arms open. Mama's calling for you. Come and be a part of my family. Come and be a part, amen, of my family. Mama will never forsake you. Mama will never leave you. Mama will never throw you away. The church, the church is the greatest mother ever known. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. Saints, help me pray right now. Help me pray right now.